にそびえる黒金の城スーパーロボット魔人が Z 無敵の力は僕らのために正義の心を変えるだおう飛ばせ鉄拳ロケットパンチ今だ出すんだプレストファイヤーマジンゴーマジンゴーマジンガーゼー山を砕く黒金の城スーパーロボット魔人が Z 正義の怒りはみんなのために平和の祈りをパイルダウン発射命中ミサイルパンチ今だ出すんだルストハリケーンマジンゴーマジンゴーマジンガーゼー Wow, I guess there will be an episode two of OG Yoda because this is it. You have it. You're listening to it. Will there be a three? Who knows? All I know is I spent so much time recording this that in the off periods I forget how to use my equipment. I have to train myself. Maybe I need to bump up the、uh, frequency there. Okay, so、uh, this time we're going to talk some more about that old issue of、uh, Japanimation Magazine that I have and、um, what was news or what was myth sometimes at, the at that time. And also, we're going to talk about our first segment on fanboyism throughout the ages. And this time we're going to talk about T.H. White's Once and Future King. And We're also going to talk about a new sort of game system, the Neo Geo X.、Um, I've already recorded a segment with Substance J, who was an occasional visitor on the、uh, previous podcast I was on, Game Face Radio. We talked about alternative driving games and other things like that. He, at the time of this,、uh, at the time of the original recording, he had managed to get A Neo Geo X, and I had not. So the questions that I'm asking are not facetious. I really am wondering about certain things. Now that I have one,、um, there's not much more that needs to be said, I don't think, except、um, as of this recording, Tomo, who's really the ones who make this machine and not SNK, have actually finally announced more games and a software update to fix the video issues. Which are embarrassingly easy to fix. So, hopefully, that's what they're fixing.、Uh, not sure what else they could fix. It's pretty good. I like it. It's not quite as amazing as other pieces of hardware in the history of SNK. But, in my opinion, they did a really good job. There's a lot of negative,、uh, a lot of negative shit out there about the Neo Geo X. And because of that, I was taking kind of a risk when I bought it. But here's what happened. I went to IKEA recently, which is、oh, torture. I mean, you know, they put, only put one of those in every four states. So they're just like 
crammed to the gills with people who traveled hundreds of miles to come to Ikea. But I went there to get the, uh, whatever it is, the, the glass display case that they have um, that everyone likes so much because it only costs $65. I needed something to put my models in so they wouldn't get dusty. I bought it. It's great. But anyway, on the way home, I ran. A, I just parked at a uh, Panera Bread parking lot, and I parked in the parking lot, and I looked across the way, and I saw a place that said Destiny Games. And, of course, the first thing I thought was, this is some dumb Warhammer shit, right? Maybe not. I'm squinting at it. Don't know what it is. So it was cold. So I was in the car, and I looked up on my phone, what is Destiny Games? And I look, and it's like a, an independent game store that's uh, not entirely just used stuff. It's one of the uh, sort of medium-sized independent game stores. Like, let's say, um, Video Game Underground or Luna Games, where they're not huge by any means, but they do manage to have direct... They actually have new games there. Got one in town, the name of which escapes me because it sucks. <laughs> game On? Something like that? It's okay. It's not terrible. Anyway... I looked. I go to look up their website, and it's like, here we are, we're a game store. And right on the front pages, we have the Neo Geo X. I'm like, whoa, let's see if they have one. So I go in there, and it's a pretty big place. And they had one on the shelf, and I thought, you know, whatever, it's fate, I'll buy it. And I took it home, I've played the hell out of it, I like it a lot. I look forward to the video fix. If Tomo doesn't fix the video... Uh, I'll just fix it myself because there's already ways of hacking this thing. It's no big deal. Um, especially if you have a, a 337 version, which I managed to luckily get. So my, my risk was rewarded. I, I was rewarded for dropping the money on this. Uh, my only complaints about the system are the video. And the joystick they give you, the standalone joystick, there's something wrong with the actual joystick itself. Like, it's got this weird notch in it, like a shitty stick has. And I haven't opened it up yet, but I'm pretty sure it's easy to fix. I have an actual AES stick, and I've compared them, and they are the same fucking thing. Um, it's still too easy to hit the start button. You know, the same buttons, the same everything. The only difference is, as we mentioned later on in the interview, is a difference in the joystick. And there's also a difference in the joystick in that it sucks, but I think it can be fixed because... They are, as far as I understand it, the exact same casting. Uh, so if you have the, uh, if you have some other compatible stick to, to cram in there, or possibly you can just put a bigger spring in this one. Anyway, if you like Neo Geo, um, I would say get this because the state of the current state of the art is, the video can be fixed, and through some trickery you can play any ROM you want on it. Plus, there's more stuff coming out officially, so uh, I say get it. I don't know what people are. Comp I mean, I know what they're complaining about, but I think they're just. They're just full of shit. I think it's really nice. Um, anyway, so we're going to get on to our first uh, segment. Okay, in episode one, I talked about uh, an old American anime fanzine called Japanimation Magazine. Um, I'm not sure how many episode or how many issues of this exist. Uh, mine says number three. I've seen pictures of a number two. We can only assume there was a number one. Maybe there was never never a number four. So two to three issues existed. The one I have, number three, came out in 1987. Um, this, I found it 
after much looking, uh, it's the size, it was printed by a comic book publisher, and it is the same, uh, let's see, published by Eclectic Press, um, in Detroit, Michigan. Oh, wow. That's interesting, since I'm, uh, very close to there. Um, it, uh, was the same size as a comic book, so it was hidden in with a great deal of comics, and I had to dig for it for some time. But I found it, and I haven't looked at this in a long time. Um, so I'm going to talk about this a little bit, and I think uh, we'll all find some interesting changes uh, that have taken place. Um, I mentioned this this magazine last time because of a, uh, mis a misunderstanding they had about new macro series of the time. Um, in it, they're talking about flashback, which came out in 87, the same year as, as this uh, magazine. And it says, Tatsunoko Films has recently released a new 30-minute OVA called Macross Flashback 2012. 2012 is essentially a minime concert video with new animation by Hal Mikimoto and crew. Production has also begun on the long-awaited Macross sequel series, Exceed to Macross, which, as I explained last week, uh, never existed. I'm almost positive it was never supposed to be anything. It was just a, a headline like they have in their little articles in um, Animage. Um, also covering this magazine, evidently Gotcha Man was dubbed again and showed on the Turner channel again, but this time it was called G-Force and had the original music. Um, here's an interesting thing, uh, news for the time. It says, 1988 will see the premiere of the long-awaited fourth Gundam feature film called Super Streamer 88 No Char. This theatrical release features characters from Mobile Suit Gundam, Zeta Gundam, and Double Zeta, plus revampings of familiar faces like the charismatic Char Osnabel. Um, this is mostly correct. Uh, there's a picture. They must have scanned it. Uh, probably from either Animage or, or New Type, which was just starting in this uh, around here. So I'm um, not sure which, but there's some line art. Looks like it's from the movie, but yeah, I guess it must be official movie art. Um, this is somewhat incorrect the way they phrase this. Um, the way Charles Counterattack came about was Double Zeta had ended. Uh, no one was really sure what was going to happen to Gundam. Um, it was popular, sort of, but it looked like it might have been on the way out after being around for like seven or eight years. Um, that's long enough, and it was possibly going to be retired. Um, if you've seen Double Zeta, you know that if that would have been the end of Gundam, it wouldn't have been exactly a high note. And But more importantly, the original characters from the original show, specifically Shar and Amuro, um, kind of wondering what they're doing because they're not they're not in double zeta uh so you know the idea behind charge counterattack was let's have a grand finale for this show um the reason why they call it super streamer 88 no char is that's some sort of a maybe that's another headline they copied incorrectly but originally um charge counterattack wasn't called charge counterattack it was called uh, High Streamer, and that was a serialized novel in Animage that sort of told the story. And then Sunrise decided, well, we want to animate this as a feature film. 
And so Tomino, who has written all the Gundam up to that point, said, okay, well, I'll write you this, you know, treatment. And Sunrise um, didn't really... If, if you've seen High Streamer, getting back to High Streamer, which is the original story of, like, the finale, um, it's not as... It's pretty short, and it's not very detailed. Um, another interesting feature is the the main mobile suit for Amuro, the high streamer, is just the ugliest damn thing you've ever seen. It kind of it's really good that that got buried. Uh, when Sunrise decided to fund a movie, uh, he fleshed out that concept quite a bit, and in it is like he's he's either married or in a relationship with um, what's her name, um, Bell Torchka. The, the woman who has who actually is pregnant with his child in the in his novel um, she was working on the development of new Gundam the, uh, Sunrise didn't like this uh, idea of him being like family man they wanted to see him still involved in the military which is kind of hard to explain why exactly he would be so involved with uh, Lond Bell at that point but Anyway, that's what Sunrise went with. And then Tomino, after the movie came out, he wrote a novel um, called Beltorchka's Children, which cemented those those concepts that he had for the original treatment into a book. And that book uh, does a few other things. Um, there are more evolutions of the mobile suits. Uh, in the movie, you just see New Gundam without Finn Fennel and New Gundam with Finn Fennel. But in the book, I believe they go through the uh, heavy weapon system and the high new system. And uh, Shar ends up getting the Nightingale, which has never been animated, but remains one of the most popular mobile suits. Uh, the book also clearly spells out Shar and Omar are killed at the end, where the movie doesn't really. Although you can pretty much assume that that's the case. It doesn't really. So anyway, there are basically three different versions of Shar's counterattack. And none of them are called Super Streamer 88 No Char. So I think that was probably a headline that they had before the official name Char's uh, Counterattack was invented. Um, another interesting thing I found in this old magazine, it says, Fans of Mazinger Z take heart. There are plans for a new Mazinger as an original animation video. It is called Die Mazinger and features a much more detailed version of Mazinger Z. The animation is being handled by the studio that did Xer one Gona Guy also plans to update Devilman. No release date has been announced. The story behind this, uh, another thing that never, well, this never came out. And I believe this had something to do with the fact that Toei owned the rights to Mazinger and they were not about to give them up. And what happened was the Die Mazinger project was sort of in the works secretly. Um, uh, People like Osami Obari were working on the show, and it was I suppose it was for going a guy, the creator of Mazinger. It was for him, and they were gonna. I think they probably wanted to like get this thing well underway, and then go look at what we have, and then like work out a deal. But anyway, the story got leaked, and Toy got pissed, and this thing never was made, never animated whatsoever. Although image art exists for it, and it's kind of cool looking stuff. This was perhaps a bit of a a sad thing that this never came out because Masami Obari, when you think of Masami Obari, you think of his popularity in the 90s and his um, 
kind of gross depiction of Fatal Fury characters in the Fatal Fury movies, and his hideous uh, Voltage Fighter Gaukaiser Neo Geo game and OVAs. But really, he was a very talented animator, and he worked on a few things. Uh, I guess at this time, his most popular thing would probably would have been the Machine Robo TV series, which has some very good animation in it. Um, he's not even famous later for doing mecha anime, but but that was his thing originally. And you'll find his name on all sorts of stuff with robots in it that was exceedingly well done. I think he might have even worked on Transformers for a minute. I'm not sure. So anyway, this never got made. Uh, kind of a bummer there. Um, one last thing I'm going to read to you from this magazine, uh, which is an amazing time capsule. But uh, this in particular... You'll get a kick out of if you've imported anything from Japan anytime recently. It says, Have you noticed the prices of Japanese animation items... Uh, excuse me. Have you noticed the prices of Japanese animation items increasing at an alarming rate? This is due to the value of the American dollar to the Japanese yen. During the summer of 86, which, keep in mind, was just last year when they wrote this, one dollar was equivalent to about 170 to 180 yen. This fourth quarter of 87, the dollar is worth anywhere from 140 to 150 yen. As a result, retailers have been ordering import items conservatively, including the once flourishing, once flourishing Japanese model kits. I'm going to uh, look this up live right now. Yen exchange to dollar, just so I don't give a... Uh, A uh, erroneous, uh, erroneous number. Okay, as of this uh, podcast recording, one dollar is seventy nine point five yen. So, yeah, um, in the eighties, you could evidently buy twice as much stuff, making things from Japan actually cheap instead of really expensive. Somewhere, you know, one hundred yen to a dollar seemed to be pretty good for everybody including the Japanese economy. But now, um, holy crap, you want to buy a, a game that would have run you $60 in the 90s and now runs you 100 I don't know what's going on with that, but I, I mean, a lot of you can probably just imagine how much smoother things would be if you didn't have to put quite so much thought into every single thing that you import. Uh, especially since, well, games have not really changed in price very much and they've overall gone down. Um... In the past 20 years, anime has probably gone down, but I don't know because so little of, it, little of it is actually worth importing. Model kits have gone massively up in price. Uh, your, your your average model kit in the 80s was like 500 yen, 1,000 yen. There, there were actually a lot of uh, 100 and 300 yen kits, which would have run you 50 cents back then. I mean, tiny little things. Now we have these master grades that cost 10,000 yen. And nowadays it's costing you $150 for these things. It's it's really kind of out of control. I wonder how much longer it can really go on. So anyway, that was my little... Uh, my, this magazine um, has uh, the dude from Mary 88 on the cover show, I think his name is, something like that. And uh, episode, re- uh, a guide of uh, Star Blazers, uh, an article about Lone Wolf and Cub, um, or, uh, some stuff about uh, like the American stuff that looks like manga. Um, very interesting time capsule. 
maybe someday I'll scan it for everybody. Mine has some water stains on the cover that I that were there when I bought it, I remember. So I'm actually taking pretty good care of this thing. And uh, that's it. So let's get on to our next segment. Now I'm going to talk about a book. And this is going to be hopefully the first in a series of pieces about hardcore fandom through the ages. And I don't mean 1987 when Japanimation Magazine came out. As I said before, fanboyism is not a new concept. It's It seems to have reached diseased levels in uh, in depth and breadth both, uh, but it, it is not a new thing. And I'm going to talk about that. This Today we're going to talk about the book The Once and Future King, which is really a compilation of earlier books. This is a fairly famous book in fantasy circles, but not so much today popular. Um, it's a massive book, but I don't think kids reading Harry Potter today are probably all that close to it or know what it is. The Once a Future King is all about King Arthur. It is. It was originally five books or four books, depending on which printing you're getting. Um, as we all know, King Arthur, it's a very old legend. It's No one's really sure where it really came from. Um, there are lots of different theories, lots of different versions of the story. Um, it never seems to go away. It, you know, there are periods where people aren't talking about Arthur so much, and then there are periods where it's very popular. This this book, it, it first, he began writing, it was written by T.H. White, and he first began writing it in 1938 um, with the short story, sort of semi-novel, The Sword and the Stone. Now, The Sword and the Stone talks about King Arthur before he knows he's going to be king, and he's being trained by Merlin, and he's uh, living as an adopted son of Sir Ector. Now, you may know the story because Walt Disney made a movie out of it called The Sword and the Stone, and it was pretty good. But they didn't really keep going with it. Um, the, the story eventually moves on to uh, its next part, 1939, The Queen of Air and Darkness, and then to The Ill-Made Knight, 1940, um, which is mostly about Lancelot, and The Candle in the Wind, 1958. And then there is a, a book that was never published during the author's life, uh, I don't think. It was uh, 1971, The Book of Merlin. This is not very popular, The Book of Merlin. We'll get more into that later. So all these, these four books, five books depending, are known as The Once and Future King. And it tells the story of Arthur from when he's a little kid and he doesn't know he's a king to where he gets the sword and the stone. And then he marries Guinevere and he makes his round table. And then, um, you know, there's a problem where uh, Guinevere and Lancelot, his best friend, are cheating on each other, on him. And then uh, it ends when he dies. And I don't think I'm spoiling anything. Everyone should know that uh, King Arthur dies in a in the story and not someday down the road. Um, this this book is fairly unbelievably great. It's one of my favorite books of all time. You'll find a lot of fantasy Arthur's uh, of previous generations, at least, where are, are going to cite this book um, as being the best 
fantasy novel ever. And it's based on a story that is public domain and has no real origins. Heavily based on uh, Mort de Arthur by Sir Thomas Mallory, who, and his, he was the first person to lay down like a concise, long, from beginning to end narrative of King Arthur's story. And I think a lot of it, I don't know how much of it was based on folklore and how much of it he just made up for the book, but it, it was the first, like, you know, mega work of Arthur. And you'll find other good Arthur stories. Um, Howard Pyle wrote a whole series of them. He also did a lot of Robin Hood stuff. Those are semi-illustrated. Those are from, uh, I don't know, 1920s or something. If Why am I talking about this? Well, what T.H. White did was he took this public domain concept and he re-envisioned it to frame ideas that he had, that he was obsessed with, evidently, about the world that he was living in. Um, this In this book... Once Arthur becomes a, a real king and he's making decisions for himself, he has to, Merlin has gone away by this time, and he has to take what he knows from Merlin, and he's trying to turn savage England into civilization. And when he becomes king, England is just a bunch of, like, feudal lords fucking around all day, um, wasting their resources. Um, there are there are these wars where you have knights banging on each other with swords all day and never getting hurt, but tons of conscripted serfs who are being slaughtered by the hundreds. And it's kind of a horrible place. And uh, what Arthur tries to do is make peace out of this. And he comes up with all these different ways of, of trying to civilize England, and he does make some headway, but before he dies, he's not really able to get what he wanted out of his work. Um, that's what the round table was for. It was to take all these knights who were fighting against each other, get them on the same side and give them quests and things to occupy themselves, and they would go out looking for holy relics and, and saving damsels and whatever, so that they wouldn't just create hell on earth for your average person because Merlin taught Arthur to care for everybody and not just royalty when he was very young and he did this by magically transforming him into animals and things and he could see the perspective of right and wrong and 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 all this from the animal's perspective now this concept of war and might makes right and harnessing might for right and all of this this the main reason why this was so important is because th Wright wrote this in the late 30s and the early 40s when england was heavily involved in world war ii and world war ii is something that as an american and people i've talked to that live through it it was a major deal obviously we donated a lot of resources to this we stopped making cars for multiple years so we can make tanks which today is a kind of sacrifice i don't even know if anyone could comprehend that they would actually stop making cars for a year let alone several years but in england it was much worse because you literally had nazis dropping bombs 
on your house. And no one in America has ever had a bomb fall on anything they've ever lived in unless it was in another country. For the people in England, the Blitz and all of this, it really seemed like the end of the world. I mean, it seemed like like civilization had failed to a lot of these people. And World War I was supposed to be, you know, the war to end all wars, and it wasn't too much later when they were at it again. But now they had planes. And this was in a time period where people didn't fly on planes. Planes were just things for rich assholes to fuck around with or armies. So you probably have never even ridden on a plane before. But you've got them flying overhead, dropping bombs on you, just blowing shit up all day. And it is within this climate that Once a Future King was made, especially um, the end parts where it really starts to focus not so much on the magic and the animals and Guinevere and Lancelot, but more on, on Arthur's efforts to end war and ultimately failing. Um, so, in a way, what, what the reason why I'm talking about this is because this is essentially fan fiction. It's the greatest piece of fan fiction ever written, I suppose. Uh... But that's basically what it is. When you when you read, let's say, okay, what is the worst kind of fanfic you can imagine? Okay, um, I suppose like Star Wars um, sex orgies would be pretty lame. Um, they, yeah, that's a really popular one. Uh, one of the worst pieces of like most disturbing pieces of fan art I've ever seen. It wasn't like particularly violent or anything like that, but it was hentai. It was one hentai drawing based on the anime series Let's End Go. And that's amazing that that could exist. Let's End Go is a story based on, you know, those little model cars you build that, that drive inside of tracks. They're like 120th scale and they, they're, they, they're not like slot cars. They're like they drive in, in tracks. Um, Tamiya sells a lot of these model kits. It's an anime based on that crap. And kids go to the hobby shop and they buy upgrade parts for the little toy cars. Hentai based on that. And it was like, yeah, how do you do that? Well, they, they did it. I don't want to go into the details. But it was it was definitely Let's and Go Hentai. And it was definitely intrinsically Let's and Go Hentai. I'll just put it, you would not have seen this kind of Hentai with, you know, Yuri and friends or anything. This is, this is, this is crazy. I can't erase those things from my mind. But yeah, either way, you look at that, even the worst anti, even the worst anti, even the worst Dojin fanfic stuff is you repurposing an existing work to get what you want. In this case, a guy wanted to jerk off to a picture of the girl from the hobby shop and lets it go. So he drew it because he's horny. He's, you know, his, his desires are manifest in this defenseless piece of TV toy anime. And in the case of Let's and Fu- Once and Future King, oh boy, Let's and Future King, I just invented a fanfic. In the case of the Once and Future King, it's the same thing. This guy, T.H. White, had his own thoughts about the world, and he didn't exactly know how to frame them, at least in a, in a fiction book. You know, like, he could have written a philosophy book that people would have ignored. But he adapted it into the Arthurian legend, and honestly, uh, 
I mean, the Arthurian legend is not this noble. You know, it, 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 this is definitely the best thing you can make out of it. It's an interesting story, but it's not particularly amazing. But once he's done with it, it is amazing because he adds motivation to these characters that just didn't exist in their mythical, stripped-down, really extremely basic sense. He even includes, towards the end of Candle in the Wind, Thomas Mallory, who wrote Morte Arthur, he even includes Thomas Mallory as a character in there, um, as a little boy who Arthur like narrates his life story to, and runs he runs off and evidently tells it in Morte Arthur. If you go to read this book, and I highly recommend that you do, there's, like I said, the Book of Merlin is not all that well respected. It wasn't actually published until 71, and it's almost always found separately um, because it's like people don't even want it in the rest of the, of the books. In it, Merlin comes back and talks to Arthur when he's an old man, and he does turn him into an animal two more times like he did in the first book. Turns him into an ant, and he turns him into a goose. Those segments are somewhat well-liked, and depending on what version of the book you buy, you'll find that they've taken those segments and they've shoehorned them back into the Sword and the Stone so that it blends in with all the other uh, animal adventures. Um, I had never heard... I've never read the Book of Merlin. Recently, I decided to go through The Once a Future King for a third time, and I did this by getting the book, the audio book, from Audible, which is read by a guy named Neville Jason and he is amazing at it. And it includes the book of Merlin at the end. And it includes the story with the ant and the goose in the end where it originally was. Um, and my opinion of the book of Merlin is that it basically puts humankind on trial. And where all these animals like Narnia style talk about... Um, they're trying to figure out what to do about man and his wars, and they try to find an example of war and animal kind, and it's kind of hard, although it does exist. Um, there are these long, and I mean long, just paragraph after paragraph of Merlin going on about how humans suck. And I think that is the main reason why people don't like it. The book doesn't really go anywhere, really. But that's not the problem. I think people just get tired of hearing Merlin shit on humankind. <laughs> you know, what kind of a humanist is this? <laughs> he hates humans so much. Um, but when you hear, and I can see this being irritating to read and just long to read, but when you hear this guy, Neville Jason, read it, it still grains a bit, but grains a bit, but it, it, it is actually pretty uh, good. And the sections with the goose and the ants especially with the geese, uh, very interesting section. And it is very like Narnia-like in the sense that it has all these talking animals. When you get to the point where a, uh, a hedgehog sings Blake's Jerusalem, I got to tell you, it's a tearjerker. <laughs> uh, because it, that's when it sort of like brings it all back to focus and, and Arthur feels like he's not quite as lost as he was. Um, when he first met, re-met Merlin. So I would recommend getting the Audible version. Um, it's really long, and it's one of those books you, you get your, your time out of. But if you don't get that version, um, feel free to read 
any you know any of the compiled versions uh, that are that say the Once and Future King on them, because you'll get all four of those books. Merlin is almost always separately available. I kind of recommend it, but the thing is, if you re- if you read it with the stories with the geese and the ants stuck in Swords of the Stone, then when you get to Book of Merlin, you're going to find you've already read half of it. So, I ultimately I recommend the audiobook. This Neville Jason guy, he does voices and really well, and the the story is heavily based on um, some conflicts between Gales and Anglo-Saxons, and he gets these accents down really well. Um, and that's something that you might not notice if, you, if you're not an Anglophile like myself, but he, he gets these accents down very well, um, being an old English dude who's probably known tons of Scots and Irishmen all his life. So um, the next segment on this uh, Fanboys Through the Ages, I don't know, Oda age, whatever. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to talk about, but when I look around, I see tons of this stuff. So there'll definitely be another segment on this. And this is my uh, highest uh, recommendation, Once in Future King, one of my favorite books of all time. When it comes to video game systems, there is nothing more OG than the Neo Geo. And there never will be anything more OG than a Neo Geo because technology is pretty... Everyone's got it now. But there was a time when there was a game system that you simply could not afford. And if you could, you only had two games, and they were probably Fatal Fury 1 and 3 Count Bout. Uh, But recently that has changed. There is now... Well, I suppose it's sort of changed slowly over time, as you can now buy arcade-perfect PlayStation 2 ports of, of Neo Geo games. And you don't have to spend a thousand bucks on cartridges. But uh, recently this has changed a little bit more um, with the release of the Neo Geo X uh, Portable. Um, And to talk about that, I have asked upon the show a somewhat old-time regular sort of guy, Substance J, creator of uh, Sector NGP. Um, well, you're wrong. It, it hasn't changed because I've got this Neo Geo X sitting in front of me, and what does it have on it but Three Count Bout and <laughs> Fatal Fury One? So yeah, what uh, do you get viewpoint with that? No, you don't. But you do get um, Alpha Mission, I think it's called, and Last okay. Resort. So, so there are at least really... two games that you're never going to beat unless yes. the, unless somebody hacks this or there's an official update. Yeah, it's going to need a, a credit insert switch. Yeah, because and, uh, it's it's stuck in AES American mode, right? For the time being. Yeah. Um, how so, how should we begin? Well, with this before thing? before we get into the uh, somewhat rampant, somewhat wheel spinning hacking scene that's going on right now, let's talk about the thing in general. So I you have it, and I've never seen it because I bought something else instead with my money. I don't remember what because it was. Because you're a pussy. I yeah, mean. I w- it, was a, it was a risk. Yeah, it is because I'm a pussy. There's no other way around it. I mean, I looked at this and I'm like, well, there are about a hundred different ways that this can go wrong. <laughs> so um, the j- joystick, that's again number okay. one thing, joystick. Well, let's let's back up and start with the the packaging. I, oh, going to go with that the, primary. Okay. Yes, because it's kind of it sort of builds up to the the climax or anticlimax, whichever way you want to look at it. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I was more skeptical than probably anybody. So when I ordered this thing, I, it was a complete, like, you know, bring it on. This is like mystery science theater. Let's see a bad movie here. Yeah, yeah. Challenge. Exactly. Challenge me to like this. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm sitting at the kitchen counter eating a sandwich, and the UPS guy runs up with this box, like, the size of, like, a dishwasher. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, okay, it's on now. So I bust this thing open, and uh, they did actually a pretty good job with the packaging. They really, really tried hard to appeal to the, like, really, like, particular 30-year-old white male that's going to be really upset if it's not just so. So it's black with gold letters? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, you open it up, and it's got these little nested, like, white cardboard boxes that have all, like, the old font on them and everything. Does it say Pro Gear Spec? It does, wow. I actually. Okay, great. And the, the seal, the tape seals have like those exploding heads on them and everything. It's so, I mean, it's a, it's a thrill right there. But um, naturally, <laughs> first thing I did when I got it out of the package, I started. Can, I, can you hear this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the yeah. stick, I assume. That is the stick. Wow. Sounds pretty uh, sticky. It's, it's pretty nice. I would say it's about like. A half a notch in quality below maybe the Neo Geo Pocket Stick, but it's tough to say for sure because it's a little bit bigger. They've sort of scaled it up to match the size of the console. Mm-hmm. It's about the size of a PSP. It feels a lot more solid, actually. Another thing is those sticks, after if you use them a lot, they sort of wear into a particular zone and then they stay there. Like if you if you use a Neo Geo CD thumbstick. And it's it doesn't have enough hours on it. It feels kind of like you know screwed up. Yeah. And the Neo Pocket one is an improvement on the Neo CD one, in my opinion. Um, probably because it, the stick bends a little bit. I think that actually makes it better. That has a slightly bendy stick. It, yeah, it has a little bit of flex in it. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, it's hard to compare directly because it's being larger. It feels like it has a, a greater throw distance. So it feels maybe slightly less responsive. But in terms of actual gameplay, like I'm pulling off SDMs like no problem. Yeah, that's great. Because a lot of people see this and they go, why don't you just mod your PSP? And really, that that sounds like the stupidest question in the world. Because isn't the PSP a Sony product and therefore has the segmented D-pad that everyone has an irrational fuming hatred for when it comes to fighting games well you know i was talking to someone about they asked me that question about the psp d-pad and uh i i actually went back and i played like one of those neo geo collections on my psp mm-hmm. it feels like shit yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's just awful if your favorite neo game is uh quiz kof then i suppose it wouldn't be so bad yeah league bowling great on the psp yeah if you could. <laughs> Maybe even Metal Slug, because that game's pretty slow, and you only need, like, left and right. Yeah, there's very few diagonals in that anyway. Yeah, I mean, you you have them, but it's not as critical. I mean, try doing, uh, like, mid-period KOF SDMs, <laughs> where they're, like, they're, they're, they did not have the, like, fudge factor code in there early on, and you, and you had to, like, get, you know, like, Power Geyser. You had to go straight to forward. You couldn't roll to forward so much like you can in the later games. Yep. So uh, now how about the screen? Because that looked stupid from what I saw being that it was wide. Well, okay, we'll get to that. The wideness, 
um, obviously it has the the four by three or whatever, you know, regular mode. So you have to, you actually, this thing seems to have no like internal memory that, you know, records these uh, decisions. So you have to actually hit the button every time you turn it on to put it back into normal viewing mode. But um, the screen itself is very high contrast. It's is it very colorful? I wouldn't say it's extremely bright, but when you get it, to the, oh, it is. When you get it up to the highest setting, I mean, it's comparable to a PSP, basically. That's pretty good. That's all we can ask for. Yeah. Um, feels solid. I mean, it's it's built a lot better than I thought it would be. Like, I've got to imagine, you know, if SNK was still around, if like Japanese hardware companies were still making their hardware in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we might be sitting on a much better product right now, but I honestly can't imagine anything from Sony or Nintendo really feeling that much more solid than this. Yeah, yeah, because there, there is a limit to how fancy they can make it. And I think people have come to expect, like, they've come to expect, like, you know, like iPhone-grade portables. And you can't really make iPhone-grade portables unless you're guaranteed to sell 70 million units. Because yeah. the processes are so expensive that it's never going to pay for itself unless you have a huge hit. And you're not going to have that with this thing. Yeah, so as far as the, you know, the physical reality of the system, this is about as good as you could possibly hope for, I think. Well, that part's so, nice. Yeah, score, score one for the, the positive category there. And a great box. And a good box, very good box. <laughs> Um, I suppose also, I tend to forget, this thing actually comes with the docking station and the joystick. Mm-hmm. Those are sort of what you'd expect. Yeah, because the, the Neo Geo stick is like <clears throat> a favorite of mine. But if you've been playing on like a Mad Cats tournament edition for the past five years, you're going to go back to the Neo Geo stick and go, wow, what a piece of shit. Because it is kind of lightweight and uh, hollow. Um, it's quality. And the the actual physical dimensions are almost perfect, except for the fact that you accidentally hit pause a lot. But the the four buttons line up in in just the most perfect manner. Um, but I assume this is a very close copy, right? Well, as far as I can tell, I had a Neo Geo CD briefly. I never had a, an AES, oh, so okay. I don't know for sure. Like, was that? Did it have micro switches and? Oh was yeah. it clicky in yeah, the stick. It was clicky and it has micro switches in the buttons. Okay. Uh, the start and select. It's um, yeah. It looked to me very close, and they did just make those PS2 ones, not too long ago. Yeah. So I suppose it's um, they still have the molds laying around somewhere. Uh, this is extremely light. It's got yeah, um, yeah. it's got a pretty high quality feel to it. I'm like the, actually quite impressed. The joystick ball threads off. And the shaft is metal. Uh, they actually they address this in the instruction manual. If you can believe that. <laughs> they addressed what? They ha- they have an FAQ section and it says the original Neo Geo Gold Edition stick had a threaded ball that was removable. <laughs> Why is the Neo Geo X stick not just like this? <laughs> Wow. Wow, it's they so, really knew what was coming. <laughs> did they? I mean, did they or did they? have been to NeoGeo.com forums. <laughs> they have been. Now, probably their account hasn't been activated, but they've been they've been lurking. Yeah. So this doesn't? Is there is a plastic shaft? It has. Well, I'm actually not sure. I think it's plastic. But in any case, the, the ball is 
uh, adhered to the threads to prevent a choking hazard, and as they say in the manual, to prevent it from coming loose during heated gameplay. Well, it would come loose during heated gameplay. That's true. Yeah. But maybe the shaft is still maybe the staff, shaft is still metal, and they just loctited it on there. I think that's what happened. That, that would make a lot of sense. Uh, incidentally, this is uh, if you plug this into your PS3, it works. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's good because why engineer some other standard now that joysticks are finally standard? Yeah. Why why make something new? You know, it doesn't work on anything but a Neo Geo X. <laughs> that is that is one fringe joystick. So the docking station looks like a little AES. Or it's it's, a little, it's yeah, big, it's, right? It's I think it's actually I saw a comparison. I think it's slightly smaller than an AES, which kills my idea of chopping it up and turning it into a like a super gun housing. Well, you could still do that. I mean I suppose you could. People yeah. are working on that, I believe. You can make a super gun out of a Kleenex box. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of actually using like the cartridge slot. Mm, yeah. Uh, the docking station I mean it's a little cheap like as you would imagine a facade to like you know put your system inside of it's really it's like a Kleenex box cover basically because there's nothing really in it right I mean is the power supply in there it's basically uh, the power supply is external I think so it's just like ports it's basically just port. It's like a it's a USB hub in a really oversized box. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Um, when you hook the system up to it, uh, here's here's where you start to get into the mystery of the Neo Geo X. <laughs> it's uh, it's an interesting system because you hook it up, and I mean, it's like right off the bat, I was pretty impressed with the output. This was through HDMI. The, it has. Uh, composite but that looks like utter shit it's just terrible so that's very authentic well i guess so because yeah. the original aes had the worst composite i mean the two worst composites are original genesis and original aes so it's it's possible that it's that's just on purpose they should have put that in the <laughs> faq then because <laughs> why is the composite so bad answer you've clearly never owned a neo geo <laughs> you lose yeah. Uh, you, Re, please return the Neo Geo X to, to vendor. You are not hardcore enough. Exactly. So, um, you know, right away, I'm, you know, bashing away on the stick. I'm, you know, shooting my gun in Metal Slug, having a blast. And I'm, I'm saying to myself the whole time, this can't be right. There's got to be some catch here. <laughs> like, what is it? So... You know, like the level two boss in Metal Slug, you're on that like moving like train car. I played Metal Slug three almost exclusively. I don't uh, have one, but I did beat it a lot of times. One is so much better. But uh, in other words, the point being that it's a scrolling background. Yeah. Okay. Rather rapid. Mm -hmm. This sounds. I know where this is going. Oh, uh, tearing is that where it's going? Is, is it looks like V-Sync issues? Yes. V yeah. Yeah, that's not too shocking. I mean, not too surprising, I guess. Yeah, I guess from my reading, this is, I did research, this is a research I alluded to. Um, it has to do with the hertz rate or whatever of HDMI versus the native mm -hmm. output. So, basically, I don't know what they do to resolve that. Not enough. Speed up the emulation? I mean, is how do you fix that? Well, I think the problem probably comes 
and whatever they're yeah i don't know i i don't know how it's usually those functions are solved in in like on computers those pro, those problems went away when video cards got really powerful yeah so i don't like when video cards got 15,000 times more powerful than a neo geo was they <laughs> they could finally do vsync issues away you know just like no problems so yeah that's not too surprising of course if you're playing this if you're playing league bowling you don't have this problem right because the screen it, never moves, the background exactly. never moves. <laughs> Another great reason to play league bowling. But you, do you see this on the display or just through the video out? Well, further research suggests that it's visible through the. You're talking about the handheld display. Yeah, when you use just the handheld. Personally, I don't, but technically, it's there. Um, it only becomes evident on the big screen when you're playing certain games that move really fast, like one that you wouldn't think, and this is really the only one that's problematic out of the 20 or so on here is magician Lord. Hmm. That game scrolls in a really weird fashion that you don't realize until it's fucking up for you. And it's almost, I don't want to say unplayable, but it's not pleasant Mm -hmm. Uh, on the small screen. I frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if the human eye is just incapable of detecting this. It's also possible that if it's like a PSP, one of the reasons why bad emulation doesn't always show up on the PSP is that the latency is horrendous. So it kind of like blurs minor problems. That's quite possible. That's possibly what's happening. Yeah. Another another uh, reason why shitty stuff is sometimes good. Um, one thing that I read about, um, what the Neo Geo dev guys were looking at, um, they mentioned something about how a problem with the HDMI output, a lot of people think it's horrible and a lot are you still using that XBR 960 or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. That could be giving you a better picture (laughs) because some, because some, uh, some, yeah, that's possible. Because that's more del- it's more designed for low resolution sources and things than than a lot of cheaper newer TVs are. Um, one thing they mentioned was that the the video is actually being scaled twice, so they scale it um, to. Post I did. Sorry, what's that? You read the same post that I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, and all they they said they could avoid scaling it twice if they just put a slight black border around it, matching the Neo Geo resolution to a a. Uh, a um, divisible resolution of HDMI, so that it would only have to be scaled. It could be exactly doubled or exactly quadrupled or whatever. And you know, the really frustrating thing is if they're correct about that, it's only like four pixels difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh shit! What you know? What a missed opportunity there. Yeah, but um, so this thing's pretty nice. Did, did you <clears throat> you got Ninja Masters with it? Yeah, that's uh, kind of that's a fascinating part of this. Yeah, uh, there's, there's packaged a, on an SD card. Yeah, okay. So it, there's you know, one game available for this thing, aside from what it comes with. And, yeah. And it comes with it too. It just comes with it on a card. Yeah. Which which makes you wonder, like, do they want the thing to be cracked? I don't know, because they're giving you quite a f- number of uh, quite a number of uh, ways of doing it. Yeah, none of which so far seem to be successful. But the really interesting thing is that on the inside of the system, if you have a certain firmware, which mine happens to be, that means that your um, 
your system is running off of an internal micro SD card, not a hardwired chip. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. Uh, I, I saw the picture when the guy ripped open the first one with an SD card in there. And I was like, oh, so it's like a DS that comes with a R4 in, in it <laughs> yeah. from the factory. And yeah, that contains everything but Ninja Masters is on that card. Yeah. Uh, and another thing I was just reading about that was sort of discovered over the weekend is that they, it seems that possibly they took a page from the PC Engine when they uh, did their uh, protection on the on the SD the external SD card slot because there's pin swapping, which is how they did uh, region protection on PC Engine. They just flipped some pins around. Oh, that's right. So that the things wouldn't work, and it, it seems to be that's sort of what they did with the SD card. So I don't think we have any, like, really awesome people working on this yet. And if there are, they haven't made themselves known yet. But this thing looks like it was just designed to be hacked. Yeah. You know, the investigation of the uh, all this shit shows that uh, this thing's got, like, a 1 gigahertz processor. <laughs> yeah, which is more than I had when I started Neo Geo emulation perfectly. Yeah. It only um, takes about a half that, maybe to do neo it sounds like you know basically china puts out one flavor of handheld video game system and if you're going to license that technology they just put a restrictor plate on it for whatever your purposes are i guess sure because if this thing gets unlocked um it's going to be a one hell of a machine yeah one gigahertz is that's what's in an iphone no i'm sure that it's you know not quad core graphics and everything like phones have but emulation up through any system you'd ever bother to emulate i mean i don't know about dreamcast but it seems like well actually doesn't it come it has a ps1 emulator in it then i I guess that's what they've discovered yeah famicom pc engine all that all the way up through like ps1 there are directories and and labels of things yeah um which is kind of weird and then there's also some allegations that they stole the emulators from freeware emulators which wouldn't surprise me would not be the first time that's happened <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't know why they people keep doing that um because that you know you can be sued for doing that and it's kind of stupid so yeah i um the, originally they were supposed to the gold or whatever was an initial offering and they were supposed to sell portable onlys for 130 this is what they said some time ago but i haven't seen any indication of that yeah, I was hoping you'd know about that because I haven't seen them. And um, frankly, at this point, I'd be willing to drop another 130 on a second uh, handset just to just to hedge my bets here. Another thing, um, they're discovering that yeah, not all of them have the micro SD card reader inside of them, but they do all have the same PCB so far. So you can just solder one right on, like you can remove the the hard the surface mount chip and it's it's all a, a a reader which is not too difficult but a little difficult yeah it's uh at least it's an option there mm-hmm. and um sound, so i'm just praying sound? on somebody a lot smarter than me coming oh yeah sound yeah sound um uh excellent as far as i can tell that's pretty good the the ng dev people they said that there's sound lag mm-hmm. um i don't see any evidence of that it probably depends on the game too, because towards the end of the Neo Geo, like the sound was starting to really take its toll on 
like the sound started to become more and more of a, a CPU sucking aspect of the games. Um, I read an interview with somebody, whoever was the director of KOF 2003, and they were saying that they wanted the music in what the hell's that boss's name? They they wanted the boss music to have a certain number of channels and contain a certain number of samples. And because of all of that, it would every every character in the game had to have like their animation, their sounds, their move sets slightly reduced so that when they got to the boss there would be enough CPU overhead to play that song. Wow. <laughs> and when and and when they got to like when they did like Magician Lord, I don't know if the sound chip was working that hard because it's I mean there's not as much uh sampling. Whereas those later KOFs are just like loaded with that guitar sample. Now, is this why like Mark of the Wolves on Dreamcast would be constantly loading every time you did something? No, that was like I think that was a copyright um that was a copy protection scheme. Like really? they designed it in such a way that when they they knew that people would dump it immediately and that people would burn it on CDRs. And they knew that a GD-ROM has one gigabyte of space and a CDR has 600 and some megabytes. So the data is less dense, meaning it's physically further apart on the disk. So they made it so that every time you do something that makes a sound, the laser moves. But because of the bootleg having to move further, there was lag in the sound. <laughs> this or they is, wanted to blow up your Dreamcast. Yeah, oh man, they everyone wanted to blow up your Dreamcast. I mean, that system is like reading like a hard disk. I mean, the laser's just flying all over the place, you know. They never use uh, Redbook audio or anything. It's just zip, 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 and the thing's just like grinding away constantly. I don't know how they're so reliable because, man, they make a lot of noise. But, so, uh, yeah, the, the sound is real good, especially, I mean, the two onboard speakers, they're high, seems high quality to me. And if you hook, like, a pair of Sennheiser headphones in there, I mean... The sound on those early Neo Geo games is so good to begin with. I know. I love Neo like Geo sound. Those That guitar sample they use, that real chunky, like... Hey, well, they just had so much... It was like, basically, the Neo Geo isn't really that much different than a Genesis, except the carts are 100 times as big. So they have, like, yeah. all of this... Uh, I mean, they have the same CPU. They have the same coprocessor. It's just that there's just a huge bus. And um, the way they handle backgrounds is weird. But basically, yeah, they, they're really um, really just pumping data through the thing at all, at every possible millisecond. And, I, and there is something really just crackingly significant about the way that the sound comes out of those things. It's, it, you get punched, it's painful. Or you get punched into a tree and the tree breaks in half, and you hear the tree going... <laughs> Yeah, it's I know it's so visceral like in those early King of Fighters, you know, you hear the punches and it just it's a little cracking and then all of a sudden the guy gets KO'd and it's like <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's a really loud scream. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're very and and the the enormous sprite wastage that goes on in those things. Like oh, yeah. like in Fate of Fury 1 where you have like the arm wrestling um and it, the, you know, the just gigantic sprites on some of that shit. Because it was just like, these are arcade games. You know, memory is not as expensive to us when we're selling PCBs for $700 instead of trying to sell cartridges for $50. 
You know, we'll just dump everything we have. There's like a movie's worth of shit on every one of those cards. And they'll surprise, or like, what's that one? Um, the one where it's a first person assassin spy game. Oh, God. The Super Spy. The Super Spy. Yeah, that one is nothing but gigantic sprites. Or uh, Super Baseball 2020. Pr- relatively big sprites, especially when you like put the Super Nintendo one next to it and everything's puny. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, that that reminds me. Speaking of Neo Geo, I uh, saw an interesting news item today about Samurai Showdown One. Did you see this? You know, in Samurai Showdown oh. One, when uh, occasionally your swords clash, and it gives you the uh, the button. It says mash button, you know, and there's like a picture of a finger pointing at a button, and you have to sort of like, you know, your swords are locked, and you have to outmash the other guy, and 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 then come on a top, and then whoever wins, the other guy will be stunned. Um, evidently it's been proven that, that the mashing does absolutely nothing to alter your chances of winning a locked sword problem. Really? Yeah. yeah, It's just, I don't know why there's a thing telling you that you should mash, but it does nothing. (laughs) I've always wondered about that. I I knew that I didn't know it was random, but I knew that you couldn't, that you didn't just outmash the other guy because occasionally like I'd have like bad luck, I guess you'd say, where I'd be playing the computer and I'd get like five lockups in one fight, and he would just be so physically tired of mashing that you're like, fuck it. And he would just wait yeah. for the mash fest to get over, but I would win it. And he didn't even, I'd hit the button like twice, and I would win. So I, I knew it wasn't just numbers. It's not like Marvel where you just like have to roll your hand across the buttons. It, w- it was something else, but I didn't know that it was just, you know, flipping a coin. See, that makes me kind of angry because after all these years, you know, I've had my suspicions and now it turns out I'm correct. Like, you know, in Fire Pro, it's the same deal where you have, you're in a lockup. Yeah. And if you experiment at the higher difficulties with a turbo controller, it's just physically impossible. You never win. It's, it's just all stacked against you. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. In Fire, like, I, I always assumed with Fire Pro they had like some turbo controller punishing rhythm in there, you know. Kind of like with like with PC Engine, it, it it didn't originally come with a turbo controller, but soon after it did, and turbo controllers became standard. And when that happened, turbo controllers became useless yep. because they knew you were gonna have it. And the only time it was actually useful was with like Bonk, because you could sort of make the guy fly <laughs> by bon- by air bonking with the turbo. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought this up because this has actually been kind of in the back of my mind the whole time. These 20 games that come on the Neo Geo X, a lot of them are fairly early because I'm sure like SNK or Playmore, when they're licensing this stuff, they're like, okay, for every one like Metal Slug we give you, you got to take one soccer game. King of Monsters. (laughs) Yeah, you got to take King of Monsters, you know, all this shit. So um, I'm playing these games and I'm like, man, like hitting the A button constituted a whole lot of gameplay in these older games <laughs> and i'm thinking yeah, yeah. like i really hope i don't wear out this button yeah well yeah because it's not it's not uh well it depends i mean you never know with buttons like game boy buttons almost unkillable neo geo pocket buttons totally unkillable as far as i can tell but then you know my ps3 has a dodgy r button and a dodgy home button <laughs> The, the R button was messed up when I got it. Like, it didn't even work, and I just exercised it into working. So, it, But it still has to be pressed more deliberately. The home button recently started acting up. It will just, like, press itself. And, you know, so 
you'll be playing something and say, do you want to quit? And, you know, it's fine when you're playing a tactics game, but when it happens in a racing game, you're like, I can't see where I'm going. Because <laughs> the screen has, do you want to quit? No. Do you want to quit? I'm going 180 miles an hour into a tree. Now I want to quit. Thanks. It, it's almost like the new, you know, the original PSP, if you twisted it just right, it would shoot the game off the bat. <laughs> it's, it's like that, except it's with the home button. I think if you twist their chassis just a little bit too much, it'll press the button. This not impressed with that thing. And I've played almost nothing but turn-based shit on it, so it has no excuse. And how much have I used the home button? You know, I'm not just wailing on the home button. Kind of piece of junk, that thing. I'm so, just extremely paranoid about that kind of thing. You know, I can totally understand. It's, you know, you get more comfortable with it as time goes on, but when it's a brand-new, janky, quasi-fourth-party licensed rebrand, rebadged dingo, you're like... <laughs> Is it, how durable is this? Don't know yet. Then well, I can say I do have like 15 hours on it so far, and it's still working. So that's a lot of three count boat. That is. Have that you is like a, beaten three count boat? I beaten. I haven't won a like a grapple in that game. <laughs> I don't. I don't even understand. Like I don't. I'm all about wrestling games, but like the ones that are made like fighting games, just really bad fighting games, like Slam Masters. Or, I don't even get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a Muscle Bomber. Muscle Bomber, yeah. Same thing. Slam Masters. Yeah. I have that uh, Blazing Tornado one for Saturn. It's, uh, that one's pretty fun. It's like, isn't it like it's a Fire Pro Gaiden or something, isn't it? It is. Yeah, that's a weird one. That's kind of like Muscle Bomber. Very similar. There, there was a, I can't believe there was a time and a place where they could actually produce <laughs> just one of those games, but copycats... I know, because really that one, was it WrestleFest? That thing's like the best. WrestleFest? The one that has oh, Boss the, Man in it? For, oh, from... Uh, for the arcade. It's from the arcade. I don't know who made it. Has made, huge... Yeah, made by the Kunio-kun people. Yeah, it has huge sprites, and they're really excellent, like, cartoon depictions of Hulk and the Boss Man and, uh, you know, the cop. And uh, I think, like, there's a dude with a guitar. I think he's in there. Oh, the Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, it was all like late 80s guys. That That is one of the all-time great video games of any genre. And you know, you never know what you're doing because there's no life bar or anything. And I, I think they made that game for, like, idiots, which wouldn't really surprise me since oh, wrestling, yeah. wrestling's designed to have at least a 75% idiot market. But it, it's sort of like the people who, are, who we're targeting this game at won't care that they don't know how they're winning or losing <laughs> like it won't occur to them to wonder how do you win <laughs> because we they just hope these people are inserting coins into the machine before playing because they might not know the difference otherwise yeah yeah they're like a five-year-old that just plays a game in a track mode but i i think that they just they just like if they win they're like yeah and if they lose they feel like they got ripped off so yep. why give them an indicator of how they're doing it's pointless <laughs> It just make them sadder more, more sad, more long. So put money in. That is a good game. Uh, Three Count Bone, I almost think, was kind of like, yeah, wouldn't exist, I don't think, without WrestleFest. Oh, no. No, that thing was was pretty nice. So the name, Neo Geo X, um, could it be any more 90s? Oh, I never even thought of that. I mean, was there, I, there must have been a website called Neo Geo X at one point. 
Oh, I would think so. Because there was an X everything, there was a planet everything, and an everything planet. <laughs> so there was like planet quake and quake planet. <laughs> and planet doom and quake doom, or <laughs> doom planet. And what about sectors? Was there a sector Neo Geo X? Yes, uh, I think some somebody, you know, some ultimately failed website had that name. I know it was a it was a it was a acquired, wasn't it, by Classic Gaming? That's, that's right. Yes, <laughs> it, it was bought out. <laughs> I was just talking to somebody about that. Like, remember when like you were, you'd be on a game forum and you were like worried. Like, is GameFAQs going to buy this shit and then we won't be able to swear anymore? <laughs> because that was happening. I mean, like, like people thought forums were worth money <laughs> and they were, they'd, they'd buy them out. Because you, know, you remember, like, when GameFAQs was indie? Oh, yeah. For ages. And then all of a sudden they're just like, now we're part of whatever. Now it's this massive corporate site that, like, rakes in cash. Does it, it really? Because I was just going to say, like, I'm shocked that GameFAQs is still up and operating. Well, it's really, it's kind of like Wikipedia in the sense that, like, it's totally valuable. But how do you make money off of it? You know, Wiki, yeah. Wikipedia's method is to just simply, is you know, functional anarchism. And it's working pretty well for them, as far as I can tell, uh, to just have, like, five staff members and take donations. And they're still, they're, like, the fifth most popular website in the world. Um, I don't know how it works for GamePack, though, because they have ads, in which so they have, must have salespeople. Which must mean they have a huge turnaround because salespeople never keep the same job for more than three months. <laughs> Somebody's got to be writing those <laughs> polls of the day. Yeah, and then someone's got to be the worst, and then that's the guy that gets fired. <laughs> um, it's that way in every industry, uh, unless you just simply charge for what you do, but that is really unpopular these days. There's no way anyone's ever going to pay for your product. They're only going to pay for other products. So we will advertise those other products and then suck some of their money off. It's like the weirdest concept. I can't wait for it to collapse. I'm excited for it. Is this is this another knock against the people with uh, too little guts to buy a Neo Geo X? Is that uh, oh is no, that no, no 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 no? I'm not talking uh, about that. See, I, I wanted to turn it into that, but that's too bad. You could, yeah. I I yeah. It was. I tell you, I pussied out completely. I know it was Christmas time. I had other shit to spend money on, but ultimately it was me being a weakling. Because uh, I, I went just like, oh boy, this is going to suck. This is going to be like one of those 2600 things. Or those uh, Pac-Man shaped Pac-Man games. <laughs> Pac- Pac-Man in the shape of Pac-Man. And then, uh, yeah, and they're all like, what are those? Those things are all like Famicom out of chips. Most of those uh, plug-in plays, the earlier oh. ones anywhere. So they basically they were, Atari was porting, you know, Pac-Man to Famicom, essentially, and putting it in a, a box with a Pac-Man-shaped controller. And then, of course, half of those old games are vertical, so they don't really look right. Uh, you know, and they're not putting out HD, so you get half, you get the vertical middle of a 480i signal, and it's not too pretty. I thought it'd be something like that. Uh, as it is, it seems like the Neo Geo X is mostly very good but definitely we're hoping a work in progress yeah either like, either snk will sell some games or which they better do like tomorrow or they're never going to sell any games <laughs> or the uh or the fan community is going to figure out a way to put brickinger inside of it you know i was actually going to request that they put out a uh 
they they try and appear to be really active on their Twitter. Whoever, whether it's Blaze or Tomo or whoever <laughs> runs Blaze. this thing, wow. And uh, they they have a nice facade because they'll retweet like any really ass kissing comment about the system. <laughs> but if I ask them, like I actually tweeted at them, I said. Uh, why does my system only show three fourths of a charge on a complete uh, fill up? And uh, they didn't retweet that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I wonder how that sort of thing works. And like being the SNK fans, being the way they are, um, I wonder what percentage of ass kissing, ass kissing they actually get. Uh, and, and because like um, recently. Um, they built a Formula One racetrack in Texas, and that was a big deal. And I went to the race, and it was very good. But, man, there was a lot of negativity. I mean, if that thing sucked, there would have been 150,000 people who knew it all along. I mean, they were just ready to shit on that thing. And they did do a few things stupid, and so those are things that people are still complaining about. But I, I wonder, like, you know, how do you... How do you run the Facebook page of something that is it's full of hardcore fans that hate it? <laughs> because that's the way it goes with like Neo Geo. Like these these people on the Neo Geo forums are compl- they think the Neo Geo X is too expensive. What are they talking about? These are these morons who are goggling over a $30,000 copy of Aero Fighters US. <laughs> You know, a bad game that is that is identical to a Japanese version that costs 80 bucks, except it has different inserts and a different sticker on it, and so it's worth 30 grand, you know, and it's bizarre. Like, what happened to the Neo Geo community? Because those games were all over $200 a piece, except for the very early ones, and like KOF 95. I seem to remember KOF 95 having a like an entry level price. That one was priced to move. Yeah, I think that was like fifty bucks or something. Because oh, I, that cheap. Yeah, because they were trying to like, that was like when they were trying to. They'd been around for five years, you know, and it's like were, we're we're finally gonna make it successful. Yeah, we're gonna try to mainstream this because they had so much. Like Fatal Fury Special was so goddamn popular in Japan, in like ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, and they were like, hey, maybe we can make this a mainstream system. And that's when they came out with the Neo CD and all that. They were trying to get the prices down. And I don't know. I don't know if it worked or not. I mean, it kept the fan base going for at least another five years. Uh, it kept, you know, I'm not sure what it, how that really works. But, uh, yeah, getting back to it, um, it, it seems like it's pretty good, and hopefully someone will figure out a way to get more games on it because it seems like it's totally capable of running anything. So... Why are we playing three count out? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What, what, what does it does it have? King of Monsters one. It has uh, King of Monsters. Sure. Uh, I could just run through a whole laundry list, but uh, there must be like a rule. Like it has every Fatal Fury without a number in the name. Like, and then it has World Heroes Perfect. That's weird. Well, that is the final. Um, that's the final one. Completely in. It, I know it's weird. It's like it's inverse of the other Neo Geo collections. Yeah, and Sega does this only worse, where they oh. sell you Space Harrier fifty-eight times. Yeah. But if you want, uh, what's that one racing game? Radmobile. 
Yes. If you want that thing, what's the one you can only get in a Yusuzuki Works book? <laughs> there's there's like one one of those like System Sixteen oh, like games, Power Drift or something like that. Yeah, you can only get it in a Yusuzuki Works, even though it runs on the same fucking hardware as like Hang On. And there's no reason why if you've got Thunderblade, you shouldn't be able to have this. And they're not holding it out. You know, it's not like, you know, they just won't do it. They just won't make it. And they release like these Genesis compilations. You're like, oh boy, Altered Beast. Kind of weird. You've uh, sold me Altered Beast again. Kind of want a comic zone. Vector Man 2 and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's, oh. just, it's the same way with SNK. Like they still kind of, there are still games you can't get except on a neo geo yeah you know i i'm really jonesing for some super spy now that you mention it yeah that one i don't know if that's ever been on a collection but it hasn't been on any collection that i have maybe it's on one of those ps2 ones but like uh matra melee is that on anything no no i don't think that it is and uh what else walk walk seven well i've wondered about those because does SNK have the rights to those games? Well, those are those are Sunsoft and Data East, and pfft, I don't know how that really works. I, th- I think the Power Instinct series is Data East, and the Waku Waku 7 series is Sunsoft. But, like, when all that stuff's sliding around all the time, you know, they were originally published by SNK, as I think everything was on Neo Geo. But I don't know how that how that works... What else is there? Um, that Super Dodgeball from Technos was on there. That's a piece of crap. I hate that. Is it really? I've I never played like, that. I don't like that game. It's uglier than shit. That's the like. It's not cheap. It just everyone looks like a like a. Did you ever read that comic strip? Ralph, uh, comic book Ralph Snart. <laughs> Everything looks oh. like Ralph Snart, or like Hate, or uh, oh yeah, or yeah. like an R. Crumb. Like they have these giant jaws and everything, and you're like, why do they look like that? They're all very Cretan-esque. They don't... I mean, if you look at them, you're like, yeah, okay, this is Cuneo, guys, but they're, like, drawn by someone else. It's it's kind of weird. Um, but, yeah, that's another one. Whoever owns that techno shit, um, don't know what they did with it. Uh, Rage of Dragons. Can you get that on anything? Did that... Am I thinking of the Rumblefish? It might have come out on PS2. No, that was... Uh, that's an arc game. Rage of Dragons was... Uh, had the Mexican character designer in it. It was oh yeah, yeah. It was a double dragon. It was I think it was supposed to be a double dragon game, and then they like it ended up not being one technically. But I think it has a Billy and a Jimmy or whoever whoever you need in it to make it a Rage of Dragons. It's like a really good looking. I've got the MVS card. It's like a really good looking game with um, late late period, uh, really dynamic supers like some specials that have like special effects that were done with pre-rendered CG. Uh, it's really a nice looking game. I, I think you might be able to get the Sunsofts on a Sunsoft fighting game collection. For some reason, I think maybe that exists. There, There is one of those. Yeah. Games. Then that would have Waka Waka 7 and Galaxy Fight in it. So this, being a non-Neo Geo owner, this is the kind of work that's required. You need to come up with a spreadsheet of the different games and the different systems that you own that you can play them on. Oh, yeah. And uh, over the years, you can amass maybe a partial Neo Geo collection. And there are only like 110 games or something for this. I mean, but there's almost that many compilations available. (laughs) 
I mean, there's like 30 different SNK releases for PS2. And yet you, and they all have multiple games on them. Yet you can't get all the Neo Geo games. It's, there's always some fucking excuse, and I, I don't really get it. But if this thing gets cracked, a ROM is a ROM, right? They all run, pretty much. I mean, it's been a long time since there were any emulation issues with Neo Geo on computers. There, yeah. there was a while for a while there they wouldn't do the scaling properly, but that was in like 2000. So it, it should be, should be perfect. Yeah. Soon. As of right now, I mean, I guess what they did to get uh, Andrew Dunos running was they just <laughs> renamed the Metal Slug Zip on there, and yeah, they just yeah. shoved it, shoehorned it back in, and. And I guess it, it was unplayable because it was it had the wrong BIOS, so they need to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, they couldn't hit start or something. Yeah, they they couldn't hit the insert credit button. So. Yeah, well, it would, um, it would, uh, yeah, and also I believe that with their current way of doing things, you have to use a ROM that was equal size or smaller than the one you're substituting, so you would right. never be able to cram KOF 2003 or, I think Real Boat, I think Real Boat Two is the biggest game. It's some insanely, it's like a gigabit. It's huge. <laughs> I mean, biggest game aside from those Neo Geo dev games, which are like twice the size of Realbout 2, they're enormous. But yeah, once Realbout 2 runs on it, we'll know it's it's ready to, ready to go, ready to buy one. And then they go for up in price on eBay. Yep, I got to buy like five more just waiting for that day. Because how long are they really going to keep making this thing? <laughs> I mean, seriously, how long could they possibly keep making this thing? I don't well, see it being possible. Amazon keeps uh, running out of pre-orders. They, they like, shut it down, and then they start it back up. And I don't know if they're, like, batching them out ten at a time or what, but... I mean, they had to have already stopped making these things forever by now, right? I mean, this, would, this is what think. I'm assuming, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like... Uh, like when you go to uh, you know, when they sell garage kits in Japan at these shows like uh, Wonderfest and Jafcon, you go there and they're just like, it's one show. There's uh, 130,000 people are going to be at this convention in one day, <laughs> and they have it in like a baseball stadium or something. Like these conventions are so ma- you could never ever do a convention like this in America. There are no venues anywhere near big enough to hold them. Because most our our like our hotels and convention centers, I mean, if you break twenty thousand, you're pretty much totally running out of space. You're gonna have to get like multiple hotels. But uh, this they don't do it that way. They only go to the show to shop. It's basically a tour through a dealer's room. That's what your attendance is. So they'll, they'll have like these garage kits, and they're not licensed. And in order to not piss anybody off, they'll only make one hundred and fifty of them. They'll only sell them on one day. And you just have to be lucky. <laughs> and you get in line and you come get it. That's what it seems like Neo Geo X. Like, yep, here it is. Buy it. We're, we're hoping to turn a 20% profit on this and then go whore out some other part of your childhood memories. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure PC Engine is next on the block or something like that. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a lot easier to do, I think, in, in a lot of different ways. I mean, you figure, how much longer can this kind of business model even last? Like... You know, pretty soon 30-year-olds will be 40-year-olds and their whole childhood will have been reproduced and they'll own it and they'll be done. Yeah, I I wonder about that because, like, I've noticed with certain, certain, like, if there were kids that were, like, five years younger than me and the shit they love is 
different than what I liked. Because I mean, I was I I fell in love with GI Joe in 1982 when the first Tiny Figures came out, the original lineup and everything, and then lost interest in it. Um, you'd think I had lost interest in it when I discovered Girls, but no, that was not the case. I lost interest in them because they started to suck really bad. Because they turned neon color. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they started shooting ooze and things, and I was like, I don't want shooting ooze. I want the guy with the laser gun, but it looks like the laser gun is at the absolute edge of science fiction and just barely works kind of laser gun. I don't want him to have a Star Wars blaster, and I don't want him to have a giant backpack the size of a car. Because they, they had those ones for a while where they had these huge backpacks. They're like bigger than the guy carrying them. Um, but anyway, I've noticed the kids that are younger than me, like the ones that were really into turtles or they were really into like, you know, the turtles was a big one that that just, I mean, I liked the black and white comics, but all that color shit with the pizza and all that crap, that stuff seemed like completely idiotic to me. So I'm wondering like those kids were exposed to the ultimate in eighties toy hype like Captain N, the Game Master, and that shit. Whereas, like, the machinations of selling people shit with cartoons really peaked, I think, around 88 or 89. They were very persuasive in selling that shit. And then after that, like, I don't know if there's a generation after that that is quite like that, you know, because video games got so much more popular that, like, the toys weren't as omnipresent in the kid's life. And I'm I'm wondering if, like, the way they hoard out Gen X worked very well and the way they're going to hoard out Gen Y is working very well. But I don't know if it's, if you can do it quite that way forever. Yeah, I mean, you know, once once you've run through, like, uh, the Spawn toys, I don't think anybody's going to be buying reissues no. of no, those. No, because they so, still you know. have them. <laughs> yeah, they're still <laughs> they're trying totally, to get rid of them. They're totally they're... worthless and they're in their basement, you know. Yeah. That, that that was a th- that was another thing when they started coming out with collectibles it said collectible on the box collector's edition that's your that's your hint never going to be collectible <laughs> well you know I, it does disturb me though like uh there's a huge hole in my gamecube library like <laughs> the the whole thing is a hole basically so you know i've been kind of browsing around and i'm seeing like shit like gamecube games are the new nes games i mean people are treating this like it's the most recent classic system I noticed they were doing that with N64, and that kind of boggled my mind. Because I never, like, the N64 has its good and its bad points, but it was never like a NES or even a GameCube because the, the number of games were so few. You know, it was like a flagship only system, you know, with like a few junkers laying around. Whereas with like NES, you know, you had a thousand games. And even with Cube, you had a couple hundred. <laughs> But yeah, I have noticed people are doing Cube. Um, I I like the Cube, but I'm not really fanatical enough to pay more than twenty dollars for a game, yeah. or even most of the time ten. I have noticed that the supplies are drying up. I mean, when I go to the local indie shops, and I if I if I go to a local indie shop and I just want like Super Mario Sunshine or Luigi's Mansion, and I want a good copy of it, it's actually not there most of the time. Which is impressive because all those games were like half a million sellers. Um, I went to go, I wanted a Luigi's Mansion because I was driving home and I was listening to the radio and this chick was talking about Luigi's Mansion and it was weird. It was like two o'clock in the morning on the student radio channel 
Well, I was going to say that explains everything. Right and there. and there's nobody listening. You know, I was like on a Wednesday night, and she's talking. It was getting close to Halloween, so she was talking about Luigi's Mansion and how she loved it, and nobody, everyone thought it was crap because it wasn't a real Mario game. I was like, yeah, I felt exactly the same way. So the next day, I went and I got Luigi's Mansion, but I had to get a copy with like no book. And I had to pay $13 for it. And I had to do that because Halloween was two days away. I couldn't get it later. Yeah, it'd be no good if you got it a day later. But Luigi's Mansion is actually a pretty great game. It's just enormously disappointing for people in 2002 or 2001 who wanted Mario and just didn't have it because they didn't make a Mario game for Cube for a long time. But, I mean, the fact that he sings along with the theme song in the background, like, he's scared shitless, and he's walking through the place, and it's playing, like, this uh, this uh, spooky music, and he's humming along. Like, the, the character hums when he's not doing other things that make sounds. He hums with the background music. Never heard that before. It's pretty cool. Man, see, now you've, you've got me tempted to go <laughs> hunt down some uh, some older games. But, like, the last time I was at the record store... I was in there, I picked up a copy of like Yuka Yuka Troublemakers or whatever, they, oh, yeah. Mischief Makers for N64. Yeah, it's a pretty blocky game. <laughs> and it was like sitting next to a copy of Conker's Bad Fur Day for $80. And I'm like, oh, okay, shit. Yeah, I give up. I do remember when that game came out, it was like one copy per store, you know. And it, and it wasn't like, for the longest time, no one knew if it was going to come out in the U.S. Yeah, that's true. And then it did, and... I played it at Funko Land, and I was like, "Nope, not gonna spend seventy bucks on this." Because <laughs> you know that was like a year after Guardian Heroes, so Treasure could do no wrong. I mean, there was no way you would be like, "Fuck Treasure," but I played it, and I was like, "No, it's not as good as Gunstar, Guardian Heroes, anything. No, not that good. Not at all." You picked the most expensive to develop. More- for system with the most expensive games, most powerful system in most ways, and then you throw a super budget game at it. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like making a simple 2000 game for N64, 9800 yen. <laughs> it's a weird, weird choice. So, anyway, I think we've uh, talked this Neo thing to death. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, yeah, I guess we've driven it right into the ground. Um, <laughs> If I guess getting back to the original point, if this is supposed to be like a uh, the audio equivalent of like an unboxing thread or whatever, <laughs> kind um, of. I would say if you if you are like me and you really love league bowling, um, super sidekicks. One. One, yes, not ninety eight, but one. <laughs> um, I the the best thing I can say about the system is that. I haven't had this much fun playing the games in other formats as I have on this little console. So um, it must capture some of it. I mean, I realize that Mutation Nation is uh, not for everyone, <laughs> but I'm having a blast with it. And if they can get Sengoku 3 on there, then yeah, then they'll get like some... some. That's another game. Can you buy that anywhere? Sengoku I, 3, is that well, on PS2? I don't think so. I don't think so. Man, that's weird. There's got to be a, a wiki out there of, like, Neo Geo games you still can't fucking get on PS2. Voltage Fighter Gaokaiser. Yeah, you don't want that. Yeah. That that might actually be on Saturn or something. 
I'm not it's sure. It's on PlayStation, and it's got like this. Uh, it's on PlayStation. Oh boy. PlayStation One, and you can rotate the uh, screen because they're like, hey, instead of having a crappy game with like these flat polygons, oh, we're gonna pretend it's 3D. They did the Dragon Ball Ultimate Battle 22 thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, that game is terrible. You know, I didn't realize how bad it was until I got a PSP last year, and I was like, okay, this is the one torrent I can find for a pre-converted <laughs> ISO. I'll give us a try. Holy shit. Yeah, it's... Uh, I I read the other day that they, they officially discontinued the PS2 uh, in Japan, and it it sold like 152 million units making it the most popular game machine ever including game boy and there are 11,000 titles for it my god 11,000 i remember the famicom has like 1100 <laughs> and and the pc engine has like 780 or something and this thing has gone well beyond that and i know a guy who actually collects american ps2 games like collects them and has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these fuckers and um a lot of them are still in their shrink wrap like he actively attempted to complete a ps2 american ps2 collection while the system was still going and <laughs> i believe last i knew he was one game away from doing it what it was like uh it was something like some barbie game or something that's a lot of copies of like Ford aggressive street racing <laughs> yeah, from the yeah. dollar store. I mean, it's it's like twelve hundred titles or something. Well, just yeah. think in like twenty years, Blaze can release a uh, PS2 X Gold X. system. <laughs> yeah, and it's gonna have all those uh, nostalgic PS2 moments. It's gonna have a uh, a plastic stand that holds it vertical that costs twenty five dollars that you will throw in the garbage <laughs> one month after owning the thing. It will have. Uh, Let's see, what else? Secured memory cards. Uh, yeah, PS2 is kind of a tremendous piece of shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's the most popular system of all time, and it's it's one of the worst. It's one of the most loathsome, just unendearing consoles. Yeah, there's of all time. no charm at all. I mean, when you think PS2, you think, oh, I have fond memories of PS2 because of all these things that are not really Sony or PlayStation related. You know, like, yeah, I'd play Final Fantasy Thirteen on this. Of course, I could, I could have played Final Fantasy Thirteen on something else. Or I shouldn't say Thirteen. I'd say Twelve. I mean, you could have played Twelve on Xbox or anything, or Dreamcast, because it's a pretty ugly game. But no, no, played it on PlayStation. So what is a uh, Sony game, you know? Siphon Filter, All that all-star fighting game. Do they even, do they have Crash Bandicoot anymore, or did he... Uh split town that's a good question i mean i think naughty dog is still around but i don't know what the fuck they're making they had some serious success with that crash bandicoot shit big time a cart game <laughs> probably a card game as well i don't know <laughs> there, there we go there's your ps2x gold pack and uh, sd card right there it's the whole crash series all of them yes because i want to play like crash bandicoot or spyro i want to play spyro 2 <laughs> I'll never forget how great Spyro 2 See was. See where Skylanders <laughs> began. <laughs> That's just got an expiration date on it, like more vivid than a, like a model train shop. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, 
I went to a model train shop recently, and I'm telling you, I mean, there's no way that place is going to be there in like six years. There's no way. Because everyone, in, I'm 39 years old, and I'm too young to be into model trains. I'm not old enough yet to be into model trains. Like, you have to be old to be in model trains. You have to be at least like 57 to like model trains. And so there's no one there. Kids don't give a fuck because there aren't any real trains left anymore in people's lives in this country. So you're just basically talking about old, a bunch of old people who are collecting incredibly expensive toys. Because <laughs> model trains are fucking bucks, man. <laughs> they cost serious money. Like the cheapest set they have is like 100 smackers. And then, and then a lot of their like large scale, like 1950s style, they still sell a version of the same Lionel train engine that my uncle Steve had when he was a kid in the 50s. And it's $150 just for the engine now. And that's the budget. That's the cheapest one they make. So like where are model? Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> as soon as these old guys that run the place die, that's it. There's nothing left. But, you know, I'd always wondered there was this uh, model train store run out of a gas station in uh, Kauai that I knew of. It was there for about like six years. And so I, I could never piece that one together. But I think you've just explained the, uh, the there, train buying audience. Are there any trains in Hawaii? Uh, maybe hauling sugar cane for like about 100 yards. <laughs> I was going to say, there wouldn't be a very long line. No. I mean, there, I mean, there was a time, you know, like when there were more trains, I mean, my hometown had, has weird trails and things that are paved over railroad lines because they used to produce things in America and they didn't have so many 18 wheelers and things like that. Well, thanks to China and truckers, we no longer need freight trains. And, um, are they really going to build that, uh, fast rail between, uh, the Bay and, uh, in Los Angeles? I was just watching a little piece, an update on that last night. They're going to lay the first tracks between like Yuva City and like Bakersfield. That's that's like the middle of nowhere for about 100 miles in the Central Valley. Well, so, that makes sense though because that way they won't have any customers. Yeah, right? they, can they can easily explain it. that one. They can just run it, you know. But well, that's good though because, I mean, the problem with running – you know, German, French, Japan style trains through this country is that you have to deal with 400 congressmen <laughs> who all want a piece of the pie. And there's this dude in Alaska who's like, sorry, you're never coming up here. So I'm just vetoing all these bills. <laughs> so if you could just do it entirely within one state, maybe it could happen. And But there are only so many states big enough. Um, Texas could almost use a, a rail system due to the fact that that's kind of what they have with their ridiculous highways that go smack dab through the middle of cities and not around them. And then when they when they exceed the capacity of a highway, they build another one on top of it. So they have like a double-decker highway. It's, it's bizarre. At least that's my experience from being there for a week. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Meanwhile, I can't even figure out how to make the train stop in Densha to go. So. Oh, man. I love that game. I do. I they stopped making those, right? Yeah, they're they're like Fire Pro. They're another victim uh, of the times, I think. Yeah, it's, evidently you get to a certain age and you're just like, I'm not buying these anymore. And then the people younger than you 
have no interest anyway. Exactly. So there's like no one's buying this overnight because denture to go was a was a fucking hot commodity there for like six years. They made it for PlayStation, Saturn, PlayStation Two, I think, uh, Wonder Swan, Neo Geo Pocket. Uh, is there a Dreamcast one? There is. I, you know, I'm always surprised when I go through those like uh, real cheap like shovelware auctions from <laughs> Japanese sellers, and they'll be like, "Oh, here's a new Densha to Go controller for a system I never knew existed before." Yeah, or the Jet to Go one. That was even less popular. The, the jet to go one that had like a 747 controller. Uh, yeah, Densha to go though. Yeah, man, what a what a peaceful and tranquil game that is. I mean, it's a little stressful sometimes in the harder levels because evidently they just whip those train drivers like slaves. <laughs> they want you can't be four seconds late. Your fucking passengers will revolt. <laughs> so you have to like haul I was ass. Say, I, I have not found this to be peaceful at all. It's, well, once you you got to give it like some good time. Um, the one I spent the most time on was the Neo Pocket one, but I had the the Wonder Swan one is pretty good. Um, no wait, I'm wrong about that. I think the one, no wait, the PSP one. That's the one I played the most. Yeah, that one's pretty good, and the Wonder Swan one is actually better than the Neo one, I think, because the Neo has shitty graphics. <laughs> I was gonna say, do any of those actually scroll? No, they don't. They uh, they they use like uh. You know, the kind of tricks you'd see on a Genesis. Like a super hang-on kind of deal. A little bit of super hang-on, a little bit of hard driving. Like kind of some math, uh, some uh, sprites, some redrawing. But yeah, these systems can't scale and they can't do video. But uh, the, the Wonderswan one has like a... Wonderswan's way more powerful than the Neo Pocket, really. It's a black and white game, but it's, you know, like double the resolution or something. And it's it's like a 32-bit chip in it, and it's it's just smoother shit. Because you don't want to dent a game with shitty graphics. So, like, don't buy the Saturn one, because that one's full polygons, and it just looks like crap. You're going to want, like, a PSP one. And and basically, it's all about, like, take off, don't exceed the speed limit, honk when you get to the train, or the uh, bridge, and then slow down when you get to this residential area, and then stop the train really slowly. And then do it all again. <laughs> and as the game goes on, you you get more advanced things where you have to make like 15 stops or whatever. But there'll be like these express ones, which are, which are pretty fun because you can get the train up to like 110 miles an hour. And uh, you won't have to stop at every stop because it's an express train. But uh, it's, uh, it's pretty fucking nerdy in the sense that like it's hyper accurate from what I understand. Like if you've ever ridden on these trains, you'll know all these places. <laughs> Uh, so you could make one of these for Chicago or someplace. That'd be pretty cool. Perhaps there's a, a hacking scene right now we could uh, tap into for that. I, I know there are with like the Windows train games, like the Microsoft train simulator and stuff. Like there are old dudes who know how to program. <laughs> have you seen the, I guess it's just an ironic thing, but have you seen this whole series of German made like uh Euro trucker games or like Street Sweeper, it goes on and on. It's the same. Deal. No, I do. I have super trucks for PlayStation too. Like any kind of municipal vehicle in Europe, you can pay like fifty bucks and get a fully realized game about it. Yeah, well, that explains a lot. I mean, because Germany is um, Germany has a lot of trains. You know, they have a rivalry going with France, trying to make the most high speed bullet trains and the fastest trains and all that. They also have the biggest uh, model train um, 
museum in the world. Have you seen this? No. It's uh, it's in uh, I don't know, someplace in Germany. We're also, by the way, the the big hobby show, the the hobby show in uh, Nuremberg or wherever is like the biggest hobby show in the world. But they have a model train museum that defies description. I mean, it's thousands and thousands of train lines. The control room looks like NASA. There's just like a hundred dudes in there with tons of monitors. They've, they've, everything's under camera. I mean, it's enormous. It's like the size of Epcot, and it's just full of model trains. I think they're like HO scale. And they'll they'll be like a drive-in theater that'll be playing a movie, and everyone will be up there watching it. And there'll be like a park. And then if you go if you go back in the employees area only, and you look behind this tree, there'll be like two people fucking in the park. <laughs> and they're like animated. <laughs> Everything's like animated. If you go to their website, there's a lot of uh, information, a lot of videos and stuff. It's kind of impossible to believe. Uh, they they fucking love model trains, and so I and model trains in Germany to them that's passenger trains so i can see them much like japan being into jet to go and and uh streets weaver <laughs> street Weaver 2013 <laughs> or whatever yeah i can see that it's boring but you know if your dad does it it's exciting <laughs> so uh i guess that's part of the part of the appeal well, this is all news to me about the the whole model train scene. So I guess if, uh, if the Neo Geo X doesn't pan out, I've got something to fall back on. Yeah, if you've got if two hundred dollars isn't too much money for you, and you've got twenty thousand dollars, you can now get into model trains. But I don't know if you're old enough yet. Do you know somebody old? Do you know somebody with a slide projector? No, I have to wait a couple of years. You have to know somebody with a slide projector. And uh, I actually still have. They stopped making those too, didn't they? I don't know. I've Which got one like, in my basement. Like PS2. Well, you can still get... Oh, wait. Yeah, you can't get slide film anymore, I don't think. Maybe you can. I don't know if you can get 35mm slide film anymore. So, yeah, you'll have to have them professionally made somewhere in some facility that makes transparencies. <laughs> okay, so that's enough about uh, supposedly about Neo Geo and also trains and um, wrestling and um, other stuff. This was even more hardcore than I anticipated. Wow, that sure went on for a while. Uh, I'm looking at uh, about two hours over the uh, course of this episode. But I think the people that uh, were waiting for the Sign of Zeta Substance J reunion uh, hopefully enjoyed that. And uh, next time on the show, we're going to talk about, I think last time... I promised talking about the Korg Monotribe synthesizer. I didn't get around to talking about that because I still haven't really given it a fair shake yet. Um, I like it. I just don't want to talk about it until I explore its uh, aftermarket MIDI hack, which uh, is currently uninstalled at the moment. And also we're going to start a series on Laserdisc next time and why you should care about this old hilarious format that is more cool to make fun of than to enjoy most of the time. And we will also talk, I think, hopefully a little bit about live-action superhero stuff, which I'm not actually that into, but I'm thinking about getting into it. Common Rider, um, Ultraman, stuff like that. I have some interest and some history with it, but not a lot. So that's going to be some new old school for me. And when can you expect this episode? Well, uh, hopefully before the 4th of July. Or maybe never. You never know. 
Um, well, that's about it. See you next time. <laughs>